Settle in. Perk your little ears up because it's time to listen to us here on the Roll for Crit podcast as we discuss news and other goodies from the tabletop gaming world just for you and everyone else listening. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will, and today we got a an 11 on our roll. I don't know if that's good because that's two ones. Mm, yeah, two, two ones uh, is either a double miss or the two, they cancel each other out and it's a crit. So I say maybe 11 is the secret crit. The secret crit. Yeah, this is let's let's start this. Let's start this going forward. If you roll that's a d20. A, another new number too, right? Uh, I believe it is, although I haven't been writing them down. And now that we're seven episodes in, I definitely will not remember the individual ones. So yeah, I'll have to start keeping track of that. But uh, we got the secret crit. So I consider the title of our um, show fulfilled. Now, joining our party today is no one. It is just the two of us this week with no guests. So it's going to be a real intimate podcast discussion as Will and I have to conversate with each other and we won't have a third party to bounce off of. Oh, so, God, I'm, I'm forced to talk with you. Yeah, you're forced a, to talk with me. A lot of awkward pauses, um, a lot of a lot of fillers like ums and likes. <laughs> so like what? You know, um, no, 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 no. It's going to be a great episode. We're independent podcasters who don't need no guest. Uh, we still have a lot of very big, important stories to talk about and some fun uh, games to discuss. Big Kickstarters this week. A lot of things going on. We will kick it off. That's right. With the news roundup. News roundup. So if you haven't heard, Gen Con is happening this year. That is uh, the biggest gaming convention in North America. Takes place annually in Indianapolis. Of course, it wasn't held in person last year, but tickets went on sale just this past Sunday. So it is officially happening this year in September, a little later than it usually takes place, but it is happening. The question is, who is going to be there? As uh, big news dropped via Twitter, Asmodee, who is, I think it's safe to say, the biggest publisher in the gaming industry i guess hasbro might be the only the only ones that that dwarf them at this point but uh they they have a bunch of companies under their umbrella including fantasy flight and z-man games they announced that they are not going to be physically present at gen con this year uh there is a gen con online component so they are going to be contributing to that in some way but they will not have a booth and that includes um, all of their subsidiaries, like I said, Fantasy Flight, etc. And they are not the only companies to have made this announcement. We've also heard from Paizo, Peterson Games, Lucky Duck, Yellow, Kingdom Death. I saw Van Ryder Games on Twitter recently saying, also uh, Upper Deck. Upper Deck, who usually, they're usually like the big sponsor and they have a big booth. They are not going to have a physical big presence at Gen Con this year. So... A lot of companies still are going. A lot of other companies have announced that they are going to be there. Not everyone's dropping out, but there are definitely some big ones. And Asmodee is kind of the is is the big bombshell, I think. Considering they uh, tend to take a lot more. Now, here's my question. I wasn't sure about this. I didn't double check this. Was Asmodee the first? 
I do not believe they were the first. No. Okay. Uh, the other ones, I, I'm not 100% sure where and when they made their announcements, but I don't think they were quite as splashy as Asmodee's was. <laughs> right. The reason why I ask about being first or not is, well, actually, I should just quickly mention that Portal actually did a great um, discussion about this. And considering, you know, they're actually in the industry, you should check out their video about this so you can get their point of view. This yes. is going to come more from the fit or I, I think we'd be more close from the fans point of view and more speculating than being like the raw numbers. Yeah. We're not, we don't know. We're not behind the scenes with any publishers. So yeah, we, we don't, we can't say exactly what their reasoning is, but for Asmo day in particular, because they're, I would say the biggest, I think that's fair to say just in terms of size at Gen Con. Certainly yes. they, I mean, they take up a, they have a lot of sp the fantasy flight booth alone. Uh, is usually like when you walk in, that's the, I mean, you can walk in from a lot of different <laughs> directions, but it, <laughs> well, I mean, not only that, remember that that's, that's one of the companies they own. Right. But, but even just fantasy flight to me, that always felt like the heart of the show. Like there it, always was one big announcement from them that caused a huge, uh, rush, yeah. but I wouldn't be like in the video that I mentioned earlier, they talked, uh, I think one of the big major points was pricing. You know, it's just cheaper because it's already very expensive and you have to wonder if you're going to get your profits back and stuff. And we've seen about doing online. Now, one of the things I'm more curious about it was if they were earlier on, they're being like, we know we're so big. So if we pull out, then other people might pull out, which means it'll make Gen, Gen Con not nearly as much of a, a need to invest in, even if it's a profit loss. And the reason why I think that is because of E3, you know, this used to be this big digital event, like all these video games. Now, most of like Sony and well, Nintendo pretty much already did it much earlier on, but like they do their own shows. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have to listen to any other whims, which means they have a lot more control on what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought of E3 uh, during this, which... Uh, of course, is the the basically the Gen Con for video games, although a little different because it was more geared towards press. You, there weren't really people like just fans. Attending. Right. I would say the closest thing now, more closer now, might be the packs. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But like you said, Sony. Uh, well, so if we, first of all, we I mean we think we have to address obviously the pandemic. I think is the major major factor in all of this. Uh, at, at least I think we'll be saying that probably for a good five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No matter what the discussion is <laughs> that, you know, uh, publishers, you know, uh, they don't know who's going to attend or even, especially if they're overseas, they just maybe want are concerned about the safety of their own team. I, I would speculate because oh, yeah, I'm not saying like, that's not a, a, a yeah, issue. no, no. And I, and I don't, I don't think you were saying that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in the U S we're all like, yeah, we're, we're vaccinated, like everything's cool. And I think that's hopefully will stay pretty true for especially by September. But the, I think the problem comes if you're over in Europe, I, you know, not everywhere has the same rate of vaccines and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, uh, to be honest, I'm used to hearing so many bad things about how we handled the virus in America. So I'm like, right. we're getting vaccines. So we must be like the last people. Yes. It's a very strange thing. That's, that's what happens when, uh, you know, your pharmaceutical drug industry has billions and billions of dollars pumped into it by the government and everything. Anyway, we don't need to get into that, but, uh, so, so that's like the first issue. But then, like you said, with E3, 
Sony, uh, as a company, pulled out of E3 before the pandemic was a thing. So in the video game world, it feels like these companies, like you said, are moving away from this format for other reasons. And I do wonder if after this year, if it turns out, you know, Asmo Day says, hey, our profits didn't like go down. We're still doing great. Why should we spend all this money on a booth every year and go to Gen Con? I, I think like I think the, the big thing, again, Gen Con has that I think will maintain it is that there's all even if no publishers showed up ever, there's still the factor of people wanting to go there and play games in person. That's the one thing with physical board games that, you know, video games don't really require that as much. Right. Uh, but so there's that. But it's but it's certainly, you know, it could be a uh, there is a chance. And I don't this is starting to sound like um, I, I don't want it to be like, you know, fear, <laughs> like, you know, terror tactics, journalism <laughs> or whatever, like panic. Gen Con is dying. Uh, but I, that's you know, the name of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, there is a <laughs> or this episode. I mean, there is a future that I, I'm kind of seeing like an alternate future where what if maybe Gen Con kind of doesn't go forward. Or So here's my thought, and it's yeah. still sort of in the same vein. So I apologize. I do not think Gen Con will disappear. However, I think what's more likely or more likely now, I'm not saying it's like the highest chance of all our futures, is that a lot of these companies realize it's not, at least the bigger ones, worth it to go to Gen Con. We'll maybe release some games that you can pick up in store then, but we won't go there. So what Gen Con's going to be more about is maybe tournaments, maybe meetups for some games and stuff, which will still draw people. That said, it's not going to be the big news bomb that everyone gets excited about or like, I'm going to be able to buy the newest pandemic kind of situation there. And for a lot of people, I think they'll be like, I'll just stay home and play with my friends. You know, so I think it may significantly shrink in size. But I don't think even worst case scenario, it will die. That said, there's a good chance even then it'd be like it starts off then and then all the who's may be like, more like a, you know, when you see cool stuff there, or the, the you know, when they say store selling single cards, they're more like smaller business. They're not the companies that make the games. Yeah, you might see a lot of those there, which then increase their sales, and people are like, oh, I'll go to the store or buy more often. And then maybe all of a sudden the game publishers are like, oh, maybe we should go there. So maybe maybe be like a flux thing. Flux as in like a wave, not the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's really hard to say. There are so many factors of, you know, are people going to be like, we have to go, we we have to, we all want to play games. We still love Gen Con. We want to see all these big publishers. That's uh, the, like, do they turn away from it? It's very hard for me to predict. And and y- y- there's also like for, like you said for smaller publishers, you know, for these big the, all the ones who have pulled out so far, most of them are fairly big publishers. But and so that so they can afford to do this go or not go, and it mostly won't affect their bottom line. But there are a lot of smaller indie publishers who rely on these conventions to generate word of mouth, and for them, it's probably an, it's even an even harder decision because if you spend for them to spend all the money it costs to get a booth and then not see as many people as they usually do, that'll hurt even more. But will it hurt more than not going at all? 
I mean, that's it's a very hard position for for all of them. On the possible bright side, maybe that will mean this year some of those smaller ones will get more attention because there won't be the big new Z-Man game to to get hyped about. You you'll be spending more time with some indie companies that otherwise you would have had to devote your time to whatever the newest Star Wars game is, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that could, hopefully that is what happens. And hopefully it's kind of uh, like I'm hoping this is maybe a smaller, gentler, simple. Maybe maybe it's more akin to like board game geek con when when we had gone in the past when it was it felt a little more low key, a little casual. Like, yeah, no, that I'm saying like that's I think the worst outcome. Yeah. Reasonable. Like, yes, maybe Gen Con somehow disappears, but, you know. Right. But at least for this year, I think that's what. Yeah, and I feel like be. that would be the worst thing to happen. It'd be more of it's not a this is not the hot get ready to hear you know ten roll for crit videos about all this crazy new stuff. It might be more of the this is the chance where you can sit down and play games, maybe meet some new people. Of course, tournaments. Yeah. That said, of course, with tournaments, people companies love to sell their stuff there, and one of the big ones I know that tends to happen is Arkham Horror. So that's fantasy fight. We'll see what happens. You know, I, yeah. are they, I wonder, did they say when and where the last um, legend of the five rings tournament is happening? Like will it be at Gen Con? Um, probably not Just now. <laughs> I would be pretty surprised <laughs> if it was now, but I don't, yeah, I don't recall. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's going to be like, it was already going to be like, Oh, th- I don't know what this Gen Con is going to be like, but now it's even more so. It, I, it's going to be a very strange experience. I think we we are going. We are committed to going. I think at this point, <laughs> uh, I'm I, I'm I'm a little wary. I admit when I heard the news, I was like, oh, you know, what is really going to be there? Is it worth it for us to go? I, I, I we're going to find out. We're going to see, and I, I think it'll be an experience one way or the other. But that is going to happen in September, and if you. Stay tuned to our channel. You will see whatever we talk about on the podcast or through our YouTube videos uh, when it happens. And uh, hopefully in the coming weeks, we'll get find out more. Maybe we'll be able to talk to some different publishers and get their thoughts on this issue and see who else uh, continues to attend or doesn't attend. Like I said, there's still plenty of I know Thunderworks confirmed that they're still going. Um, Portal Games, like you said, is going there. There's still plenty of like solid companies that make games we really love that are going to be there. So. It's not like it's not like there's going to be nothing to do. Right. Next story involves some of the games that maybe we'll be able to play at Gen Con this year. Uh, We we don't always talk about every game that's announced every week on the show because there are a lot. But there were some high profile licensed board games that have been announced lately uh, that I thought might as well just wrap them up into one news story. So I'll briefly go over all the ones that I found notable from the last couple of weeks. Simon, I'm going back to calling them Simon now, as we've as we've discussed, mm-hmm. is releasing a new Zombicide game based on Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead film, uh, which recently premiered on in theaters and on Netflix, a zombie heist film. So uh, not the first. They also have the Night of the Living Dead game, which I think is also based in Zombicide. So another another zombie property globbed onto that theme right but what surprised me about this one at least to me it was that this movie like 
just came out. It's not like, oh, it's right. that zombie cult classic. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's very it's very fresh. It's very fresh. Uh, you know, I'll just run through all of them and then we'll we'll talk about okay. them. Um, the Goonies Never Say Die from Funko Games uh, is a one versus all game based on the Goonies movie from the eighties. You're going around the board looking for treasure, uh, trying to you know take on the the one person who's playing as the the Fratellis who are trying to take them down. Renegade Game Studios announced the Transformers deck building game coming from uh, designer Matt Hyra, who also worked on the DC deck building game uh, and among a lot of others. And this can be played cooperatively or competitively. Your your uh, Autobots, you're trying to stop Decepticons or I assume possibly Decepticons if you're playing it competitively. But no, I think that's not true. You're probably just doing Autobots. It's just to- Autobots now. I think they said playable Decepticons come in the future. There you go. Um, Eric Lang announced a new project, Disney Sidekicks. This one's coming from Spin Master. And you play as all the sidekicks of Disney heroes because all the heroes have been kidnapped. So it's kind of a Luigi's Mansion thing going on. (laughs) So this is a cooperative game. You're like Abu or uh, uh, Pumbaa and Timon or whoever it is, Tinkerbell, trying to uh, work together to stop villains and rescue your heroes. And finally, there is a new Elder Scrolls game it was announced by Chip Theory Games, who we talked about not too long ago, has a new Kickstarter project out there. We don't know anything about this game. Details are coming 2022. All we know is they're making an Elder Scrolls game, not even a Skyrim game. It's just right now we know Elder Scrolls. Okay. So those it's are the, Skyrim. Those are those are the ones. I don't. I feel like if it was Skyrim, they would say it was Skyrim, don't you think? Oh, I know. I'm just more joking along. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, well, I mean, so which of these? I mean, you tell me which ones pop out at you that you are interested to try to play or just talk about. Well, I think there's an obvious one for me. There sure is, but I, but I I thought I'd let you say it. So yeah, big deck building fan big fan of transformers was sad to see when the card game goes so i'm even happier this exists because it doesn't mean i have to buy random packs try to find cards uh the power rangers one i actually found to be pretty interesting when i got the chance to play that so i'm excited to see how they make this work and how they keep the transforming aspect in there because it sounds like it will be a um something you have to think about which mode you're in and of Ooh. course, and I'm wondering what will happen when they add, hopefully they add combiners, triple changers and all that stuff. But yeah, I'm pretty happy. Renegade seems to, I just need a deck building game now for Godzilla from them, an <laughs> alien. And I think I'm good to go. Uh, yeah, I'm starting to feel like uh, you're, uh, you, you've been spoiled too much. You're getting all the properties that you like are getting these nice games that are make you happy and. I, I don't know. I feel like I I'm not feeling the same love anymore. I feel like I used to like the, I used to be the one who got the good my, the themes that I liked for making games. Well, what's <laughs> the you know we have to actually go back to our um our old video. We should check properties that we wanted. Yeah, and be like, what's what is still yet to be made? There. Well, I mean, let's face it. They already <laughs> most of the things I like. <laughs> there's already Star Wars, and there's a lot of the properties. I'm just a. I'm just a bitter, spiteful man. <laughs> uh, and Look, I don't, there, want, yeah. you just need to wait until they release the Shield <laughs> RPG. Or <laughs> oh god, yeah, six feet under. <laughs> that's what. <laughs> that's what I really. They really should make a game based on. I mean, Look, the, I, honestly, yeah. you laugh, but I feel like if you've got someone really creative, you could make some very interesting games or even RPGs around some of those properties. I mean, 
they're still good shows, right? They probably so, could. Yeah. Isn't there a Breaking Bad game? I remember seeing. Well, that there is. Yeah, because that was a little meanier. <laughs> that was in the central zeitgeist and uh, late enough that it was when let's put it, make a board game of it. Right, right. Um, let's I mean, the Goonies game. That's cool. That's fun. It looks there like you go. That's game. one for you. Yeah, that's that's kind of one for me. Uh, and like you said, Army of the Dead, I have not watched the movie yet. I I I, I want to watch the movie kind of <laughs> I was actually I was going to watch it the other day. I was like, yeah, I'll watch it. It's two and a half hours long. And I was like, I just can't do this right now. I just can't do it. Uh, I will not say anything, but, uh, you know, I'm, I might be talking about it. Did you watch a, it? Expansion. Yeah. Oh, well, then I guess I have to watch it now so we can talk about it together. I mean, I I want to watch no, it just because I want to know. You but... don't have to. No, no. I, I already <laughs> planned on watching it. I was already <laughs> planning on it. I just Zack Snyder. He burned me very recently. <laughs> it's uh, very uh, fresh. I, I know. I but, know, but that's okay. But that's okay. And Disney sidekicks. All right. Movie. I just want to say though, yes. <laughs> regardless of how you feel about the movie, I said you didn't have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I, I listen. I put. I give myself full blame. Um. But well, no, uh, you'll give Zack Snyder to blame. <laughs> a new, a new Eric Lang game. Uh, Disney's. I think. I think that sounds like a fun. Th- it looks like a, you know, more of a family based thing. But it can't be that bad because Eric Lang is a great designer. So. Yeah. Uh, he, he, I wonder how much he, he seems he's been working a lot. I guess before it was with through Simon, he was working with Spin Master. I wonder if we're going to just see a lot more partnerships with them. It yeah, was, I don't like know. straight air playing in. Yeah, I guess according to this to Board Game Geek, he had said that he had been working uh, a lot more on family games and mass market games recently. So good for him, make that money. <laughs> That's sort is of it just me or on. does he he been a lot of copyright games? Yeah, like, it never didn't occur to me before, but yeah, yeah, it's true. I think I think once I mean it's you, not a bad thing as long as they're good. Who cares, right? Yeah, once once you make one or two good ones, I think then other companies go, "Who's the guy that can do that?" Hey, this guy made one. Let him do it. Uh, so good stuff. I mean, all of these have various release dates. Some are later this year. Some like Elder Scrolls, not until I don't know, who knows when, but uh, varying degrees of of interest. All of them actually sound relatively good like none of them feel like oh the cheap crappy licensed game that some studios pumping out to make a buck uh, well that's i good. will say transformers deck building has a decent chance of that just because i mean i love a lot of Redgate studio games but they pump out so much you know there's got to be misses in there like we <laughs> can't even play all of them it's it's i'm not even i'm not trying to be mean it's just an odds game right you know <laughs> I think so. Transformers at the very like the worst, it'll be like maybe a little boring. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I feel like deck building is like you know is almost down to such a science at this point that it's like it's not going to be bad. It'll just be like right. I just average, I just maybe. need to know. I need to watch my bias of liking both those things and be like, oh, it's the best one ever. It's like, <laughs> is it though? Yeah, Renegade. Really I'm still going to love it. I'm still going to force you to play it more than you want to. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. They publish so many games. Oh, oh yeah. I don't know how they do it. And puzzles. Oh yeah, puzzles now. Puzzles now too. All right, let's let's talk about a digital game. In another news story, a couple weeks ago, they announced a digital version of Dominion. Classic. Speaking of deck building games, this is pretty much the deck building game, and uh, I believe it's on 
mobile Android. I'm not sure if it's on PC yet. Maybe it's on Steam. I didn't double check that, but it is um, free as far as I know. But you will just you just pay to access uh, expansions. Ah, it's coming to Steam soon. There it is. Right now it's just on mobile. Um, and uh, you know it's got whatever features you may want: pass and play, asynchronous online card battles. But what is interesting and why we're talking about it right now is Polygon released an article about the game specifically covering its AI and how its AI works and how it's incredibly smart and sophisticated. And essentially the what they are doing, to sum it up without any technical talk, because I don't understand it, is I guess in most digital games, the way you teach an AI is you teach it what each card does. And what they have done in this game is they have instead just taught the AI what each component of the card does. So rather than saying, here's what the village is or whatever the various cards in Dominion are, they say, this is what the cost means. This is what drawing means. This is what, uh, you know, this means to get money or whatever it is that individual parts of a card could possibly be. And the AI sees a card, compiles all those individual aspects And because of this technique, the AI is able to be very, very good at the game and learn new cards without them having to do anything. So they can upload a new expansion and the AI will already be able to have a grasp of those new cards, understand them, beat you consistently uh, if if you're not an expert player without them having to do any additional work just because it can analyze all those cards so efficiently. So, Will, is the, my question to you is, is this the beginning of Skynet? Oh, turns out Skynet was just a real big nerd and just wants to play a bunch of board games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this, this could be, this could be the first step, but I don't know. What do you think about this for, in terms of digital board? And we, we play plenty of digital card games and the AI. Now, uh, you know, I'm curious if this, downs with this could it be tuned because there's there's winning but for example in the evolution game if you recall that you could play through different personalities i wonder if you could then tune it to be like it's really good at playing an aggressive personality or if you were to take this ai i don't know as much about dominion but maybe in another game for example like match like oh it's gonna be we made if you want to play against a really good person who can do burn or discard things like that you know like tune its personality outside of just winning. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure this would, um, this, you could use this to kind of help you in that direction. I feel like, and I'm people who are big dominion fans will tell me that I'm wrong, but I'm sure the I already was like, there are absolutely those kinds of personalities in dominion. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. I, I feel like dominion is a little more, um, it doesn't feel as tailored to like, I, I always take the, like, like, just as a basic example, aggressive or defensive strategy. I guess with all, the, there are later cards that I'm sure you know you're going to be. A, you that's could, yeah, that's why I don't have as experience. But I mean, there are definitely other games we've played when you can be like, if I like, I know this person's sitting at the table, so I know they're going to go like play that kind of style or do move their figure that way. Yeah, like that, like tune them in that way, or even make them like. Oh, this uh, like make the AI like revengeful, <laughs> so it, like will attack whoever attacked it last or something. <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. That could be amusing, and maybe it does. That. Yeah, maybe or maybe yeah, right. Like it's something that wouldn't be necessarily optimal, but just give it more of a almost like making it feel more like a a 
a person. A per- like, and because it maybe it doesn't do some of those optimal things, it could, because it's so good at otherwise, it can get away with it. Because sometimes if you program, try to program that, it's probably just too bad at everything else then. Because, right. you know, as a human, I can optimally just say, well, I'm just going to hit you with that fireball because you're a jerk and you took away my artifacts last turn. But then afterwards, I'm fine and I'll play optimally, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that could be, that could be an interesting thing. But uh, I mean, I think this is it's a really cool development for for digital games in general. And, you know, AI, I think, is a very hard thing to program for. Well, in any game. Oh, yeah. In uh, fact, um, <laughs> depending on when this comes out, I may have already or I'm about to hop onto Wingspan once again to try out the new beta hard mode. Like last night, I did a stream of that with just one. And I'm going to do go against all three this time and see if I can uh, if still survive. Yeah, well, that's very exciting. But I know like AI from a you know player's and developer's perspective, everybody... I, I feel like frequently with a digital board game, one of the most common things you'll see people complain about if they have something to complain about is that the AI is either too easy or too hard. It's either like it's broken or the, why did the AI like not take this spot? It was so obvious. And I it does seem like it must be hard in any kind of video game to program AI, but it does seem like in board games specifically, there's something that about the the possible actions you can take that just aren't as clear to an AI as they are to it, a human. I think the I, thing with board games yeah. that makes it harder, is, and I'm, I'm counting ones that have a physical adaptation, like not ones that are just a video game that have board game elements. Mm-hmm. When you do a hard mode in, let's say, um, The Last of Us, what they'll do what they can do is, all right, we've cut your damage numbers, maybe increase their hearing radius. They literally change numbers. It's not the AI being smarter sometimes. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't really do that in a board game. You can't make like all your spells cost two more. Without, you, know, <laughs> you know, you can, and that's why maybe in the digital only ones, but. It's funny because in my, yeah, I, I would think like, oh, video games, like 3D space, it's more complicated. But in reality, in most of those scenarios, it's like, well, this is the enemy. They'll run at you and shoot at you in this way. In a board game there, I do think it's, it's in some ways more complicated to have them act realistically. There's just yeah, so no. many variables. Usually uh, the ones I can think of harder just means they're... I gave them more health and they'll, we made it so they run towards you so you can't hide cover, find cover or something. Yeah. Even, even regardless of difficulty level, like just programming them at all, you know, mm-hmm. like just having to, to know what to do. Think, like think of a game like Root. I mean, where do you even begin to, like, there's just, you know, there's so many different things you can do. Uh, or, or even like, even something well, simpler like Wingspan, there's just a million possibilities. Yeah, and then throw in anything like that has a deck of cards like magic. Like, how do you know when you play this? Hold this spell. Play a land. A deck building game. What do I buy? Do, do they keep track of what I buy? Because, yeah. you know, that significantly increases the, your choices that could happen. Yeah, well, we'll see if this uh, neural network that this AI has been trained on for Dominion catches on. 
And what is it? If it if it beats Go, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, we're gonna pit this AI against that AI. <laughs> um, I don't know if it would be applicable, but yes, yes. We'll, we'll we'll see if it we'll see if we get a Terminator out of this. Best case scenario, worst case scenario. Uh, it, I, it's harder for me to win at board games online. So this is how Gen Con disappears. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna take over. Uh, well, we'll see. You can try out that Dominion app right now if you are on a mobile device. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it hops on Steam, I'm sure we'll give it a shot. Sure, why you not? You can watch us uh, flail against it. Oh yeah, we'll have to we'll have to challenge this AI. Take it on. Let's look at the old Kickstarter this week. Let's turn on the Kickstarter faucet and see what flows forth from it. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one. Kickstarter. Kickstarter. All right. Kickstarters. Yeah. There's a lot of big ones this week. A lot mm-hmm. of big ones. But but we only officially get one pick. So, Will, what is yours? Oh, I I was really hoping not to go first because I had like two. I was like, if you didn't take one, then I'll take the other. No, you but, you okay. go. For, I always I go, go last. First, That's then. the order. Uh, I am going to go with then the not as big one because I just love it. It's Fishborg. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> of all the Kickstarters that I put here that are giant Kickstarters, how did you find one that I didn't see and that you can't pronounce? <laughs> Why do you it do this is, to me every week? Go ahead. It is a fishing RP tabletop RPG based on the Mork. I know if you recall that Mork Borg. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how uh, you pronounce it, but yes. And so it's got the same theme. It's a whole monster book and the class and how to catch these fish creatures in this heavy metal. And it's just, and it, like yeah, there's a new angler class option. And of course a drowned crew, if you want to play solo. So you can still play, uh, do a single player. And, you know, that RPG has done really well, really interesting. Just to add this weird twist on it, I think is hilarious. Uh, and, you know, I felt like I should say because people probably have seen the other ones. Like the one I was going to say otherwise and why I kept to in case it was The Witcher. That would have been a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll still talk about it. But like this one is at least, I think it's something different at least you can take a look at. And plus, because it's one of those zine-like RPGs, you could still probably back this in any of the other ones we'll talk about without feeling too bad. Is it? You a, do you need Morkborg to play or it's just built on that system? It looks like it's just built on that system. You're probably pretty fine. It's got its own advent. Like, yeah, it comes with a, uh, an adventure module. So you can do your own uh, little... Mark in adding your markboard campaign or whatever. So, so how so help me understand this. You're you're fishing for combat fishing, yes. Like uh, these are not normal fish though. These are like monster fish. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and you could where I can't find the tagline, but they're like, maybe you'll fish. Oh, here it is. Jetpack tarns, cyclopean edge of cold oceans, uh, reeling charnel pits. Eat perhaps even the human body. So you could be fishing. That's anywhere. a tagline you just said. <laughs> that sounded yeah, like, like you just started speaking in tongues. Not tagline. Uh, tagline maybe is not the right word. It's like a little flavor text thing. Mm, okay. So pretty much it's like all these weird, really weird places you could fish that will be very dark and creepy. So if you're a fan of Morkborg, I really think this would be a fun one for you to check out. And like I said, it won't hurt as much if you back this along with anything else that we could talk about. Okay, what's that one called again? It is called Fiskborg. K 
Got it. I think that's F I S K. Yeah. B O R G. I think Swedish. I think it's Swedish. So I forget what Borg means, but I'm going to guess Fisk is fish. <laughs> that's probably a good guess. And that's a pretty good guess. Uh, well, get, you're in luck because I'm giving you a bonus pick this week. <laughs> well, well, it's pretty obvious. It's going to be the Witcher one. This is the one probably everyone's talking about. It's our, wow, it has hit 2.6 million. <laughs> yeah, the Witcher now. Old World. Yeah, so this is actually based on before the Witcher series we all know, or at least the TV show and video game. I don't know about the books. And essence, you are all witchers from rivaling schools, so you're going to have to fight throughout the land to either fight each other or monsters in order to score a reputation and prove your school is the best. You will do actions through a sort of deck-building game system where cards can have different symbols, which you use depending on its combat, moving to different places, so on and so forth. And of course, if I said $2.6 million for a board game, you must assume, surely, if this is on Kickstarter, it has minis. And boy, does it. <laughs> of course, your characters have minis, and there are monsters, but there are some really big ones, and of course, ones that everyone would love to have, including probably one one of my favorite monster designs in general, the Leshen. I think I'm saying that right. Sure. But, of course, there's expansions, too, that I think a single-player campaign or cooperative campaign. Yeah, solo and co-op campaign. So it just seems to be like, if you love The Witcher... This is like what you'd really love in particular because I know for me, I really like it when they when a game or words, something doesn't just be like, let's just take Luke or Geralt. You know, it's actually sort of exploring the world with people we may not know have known before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's more. In, it's somewhat interesting because you also aren't like, all right, we're going to play with Luke. But remember, he didn't actually do this. You know, you don't like that. It's just like you get to just see the world. And it's like, yeah, that makes sense. This could have happened. Right, right. Well, you could do the Star Wars Rebellion route where, you, yeah, they're all in it, but they could do whatever you want. <laughs> right. They don't, but even then. To canon. Oh, no, Star Wars Rebellion. Yes, I was I'm mixing up with uh, Imperial Assault, which had them. But you also see new people and stories. And that's why I also yeah. like like the video games when they're not following you know, the, and yes, then it becomes confusing. Like, I thought there was only one Jedi left, but it turns out there's like 25 or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. By the time you get to, at this point, it's like, where were all these Jedis around? Like, Why yeah. weren't they getting also, together? <laughs> how many uh, apprentices has Darth Vader had now? Right. <laughs> yeah, it can, <laughs> it can be a little ridiculous. I like both. I like both. You know, I love replaying, of course, the events. Oh, the it's movie, like, but... it's not wrong. I just, one of the reasons I like this, because it feels like there's much more. It's not just, here's the main character. Right. It's much more the world gets to speak a little bit, which in some cases I think just really helps because you've been so focused on the character, main character story in whatever franchise they're in. This lets to be like, what about the rest of the world? What happens if it's 20 miles away from here? Right. Now, there are a lot of minis. <laughs> <laughs> the standard box, which does not even come with the mini I mentioned, is $86, give or take, because it's rounding. The deluxe box, which probably most people are at. Yes, most people are at because there's only a thousand at the standard. There are seven thousand at uh, the deluxe box. You might not have uh, <laughs> refreshed oh, in a while because I'm seeing two thousand at standard and fifteen thousand. My mistake. I it uh, it the top the number the bid number refreshes. So I assumed everything would have. It doesn't mm. refresh that number. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I refreshed again. It's three point four 
at the standard. <laughs> oh, no, wait, no, that's a pledge manager. No, 2.1, sorry. Some people are waiting. 16 at the deluxe, which is $154. So it is something very pricey. But it does look really cool. I think the minis for, look awesome. I, mean, I think if you're a yeah, Witcher fan, I know the last board game didn't live up to the hype as much. So maybe this will be the one that I think more fits what people wanted at a Witcher board game. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know what I... We just had the chance to demo that last one, and I was like, this seems fine. <laughs> but I don't know what people want out of a Witcher board game. Um, I, I think $86 to me is like, I yeah, that's... I get it. It's expensive, but at this point, a miniatures Kickstarter game that's licensed, that seems pretty fair to me. 154 is like, you better be giving me Gloomhaven content if you're selling me a Gloomhaven price. Well, for <laughs> me, what surprises me, because I'm like... I, it's it's just like all these miniatures are only in the deluxe pledge. It looks like I'm I'm a little confused by that. I'm like, are they tokens in the not in the regular one? Hmm. Because I'm like, what? It's usually when I see that big of a jump, it's because we've added a separate storyline. You know, it's like it's not just, or they say like it's it comes with this. I I don't know. I'm very confused because it looks like all the monsters. It says unless they meet like they it. I wish it was a little bit, maybe a little bit clearer. I could not find it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I did not uh, look super into it. I see. I see the stretch goals. Here's the deluxe pledge. It certainly seems like it comes with. Um, but is it just the minis? That's what. Like at first when I saw those, because I didn't really, I thought I was like, oh, I guess only that monster comes in the deluxe one, which stinks. But now I'm looking. I'm like, oh, did I misread the entire thing the whole time? Which now I feel really stupid. <laughs> and it's just that the minis come in the deluxe version, which is like, okay, so I'm just paying that for, I can get the game with just tokens. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. This will be up to our listeners if they are, decide they want to back this to try to figure out and understand. Uh, But yeah, I guess if you're a Witcher fan, I thought, you know, from my the glance I took at it, it looks, it looks cool. The gameplay seems reasonably fun from what I just saw. I like that there, like you can go out and play poker with a dice. There's poker dice. So that kind of has the feel of like how in the Witcher video games, at least you would go out and kind of have little mini games at taverns and things. So that's kind of a fun touch. But Jonathan, have you seen the best uh, stretch goal? (laughs) The Lost Mount expansion. What does that come with? Uh, It comes with a horse on the roof of a house. Because in the game, there's a well-known glitch of a horse ending up on top of a house. So they're like, you know what? It's in this now. Yeah, that's that's when society has gone too far. <laughs> that's <laughs> They should take that out of the game. So the, that's the Witcher Old World. For my pick this week, I'm going to go with an expansion. And it's an expansion for Lock Up, a role-player tale from Thunderworks Games. That is a worker placement game fantasy themed where you're all different fantasy races, kobolds and whatnot in a prison and you're placing uh, your workers. But the twist is some of them are face down. So players don't know how much power they have and whoever has the most power at a given location wins the reward there. So you're trying to bluff or judge what other people are putting in to know where to allocate your dudes. This new expansion is called breakout. And it adds a whole separate board 
uh, which reveals there are these hidden catacombs underneath the prison. And you now have an additional worker called a seeker. And if you're, if you add your seeker to a location and if no one else added a seeker, you also have to still have to have like the, the most seeker power there to activate. You get to move a little lantern token along this catacombs board. And uh, you'll, unlike the main board where you can pick and choose, this one actually moves forward in a, a linear path. And um, you will eventually, each, each space that you land on, you'll get some kind of a reward. There's new items. There's also these like legend cards, which will give you special powers if you commit things to them. And if you manage to get to the end of the catacomb track, uh, you have escaped and you will get a whole bunch of extra points plus a few more points for each round before the end of the game you did it in. So each game is six rounds. So if you manage to do it like in round three, somehow you get a ton of extra points. I have no idea how feasible that is, but uh, it's, it seems like a cool, a cool new addition to me. I mean, it's a whole, it's another thing to think about, but because it's still tied into your workers and where you place them, it doesn't seem too overwhelming to have to learn, even though it is a whole separate board. It seems like it will fit in pretty well with the existing game. And thematically, how can you not have a prison game without some kind of opportunity to escape? Although even though it, thematically you escape, like if you escape in round three, you still play. <laughs> like you're still you're still directing your team and stuff. Uh, you're not just like, I'm done. You guys have fun. I escaped. <laughs> Uh, and of course there is you know there's also news cards for the rest of the game new traits and um uh you know goons that you can hire and things like that as well we, we were we were both pretty big fans of uh, lockup yeah i actually uh pulled up lockup aside as well as isle of the cats which also has an extension have to be like after whatever jonathan makes i'll just quickly mention two expansions for games <laughs> that are one that we've loved and the other, which is very popular. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't tried Lockout, good opportunity to try it out. The Breakout expansion is 19 bucks. You can get both of the games together uh, through this Kickstarter for $65, which is a uh, pretty, good, pretty good deal for the game and the mm -hmm. expansion, I think. Yeah, like you said, there was the Isle of Cats uh, expansion. There is also um, an expansion collection for Tussie Mussie. Uh, which we mentioned last week, the Elizabeth Hargrave uh, game from uh, Button Shy uh, that I uh, will be maybe playing sometime in the in my life. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> um, there's and there's also some other. There's I just wanted to mention there's Robot Quest Arena, which uh, was Breeze's pick on an episode a few weeks ago. Now it's finally launched from White. Sorry, excuse me, Wise Wizard Games. Mm -hmm. oh, gotta get that right uh did you look this one is cute it's like a robot battle game a deck building game but you have little robots you're moving around a little miniature arena attacking each other and uh you can take out each other's life points and then you'll respawn somewhere else and each robot has different abilities uh it looks um from what i saw it seems like uh it, it has a good like mass market appeal. It looks relatively simple. Like kids and families, I think could probably play it, uh, but it's cute and fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it looks really cute. I, I, I took a look at it and I put on my remind me in the 48 hour mark. 
there you go. So that's, I mean, that's a seal of approval if I ever heard one. <laughs> um, and I also was interested in this game called Spintronics, which is a game that teaches you about electronic circuits. So I don't know if you remember the game Forbidden Sky, how you could you actually in that game connected pieces of metal that with and there was a battery power. So you actually made a circuit that would like turn on a little toy. I do remember. I love that about this, it. This is like that times a thousand. The whole game is connecting these different circuits. And there's a whole book of challenges with like story pages about this town and why they need different contraptions. And it's meant to actually teach kids how circuits work and switches and all these different electronical things. And it's got this really cool look with all these little gears spinning around and different things you can make. Uh, it looks really neat. Like I, it seems like an awesome thing for for kids and adults <laughs> who don't know about electronics like me. So there I think are, there's yeah. magical forces that go through them that right. turn on for me. And I think that I thought it was little gnomes <laughs> or little gremlins. Maybe well, the gremlins mess it up. The gnomes. Yes, yes, yes. Gremlins mess things up. Uh, but the, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff on Kickstarter this week. This was this was a big week. So. Uh, some some fun things, some fun things to talk about, uh, and some of them are very successful already. As you said, The Witcher now has uh, it's, it's rounding the corner of three million, I'd say, but easily by the time <laughs> probably you're listening to this. That's our Kickstarter picks. Let's talk about the table. I don't know, my child. Table talks. Table talks. Table talk. Games we've been playing this week, digitally, physically, or otherwise, from the board game realm, please start us off. Will, please tell me what you've been playing, please. All right. So I've been doing a bit more digitally this last week just because it's one of those weeks. You know, sometimes you just can't get as, uh, as often around the table. So yeah. the two that I'm going to talk about is Wingspan and trying against the new AI and doing the new stuff and... I mean, we'll see, like I said, I'm going to try against three difficult AI this time. Currently, the last one, I don't think it felt that it didn't scare me that much. Could be just because Wingspan is such a common game for me. But yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, it, it does say beta. So we'll have to see what that goes. I really would love, though, for them to introduce. I guess that's hard to do the AI, especially for the um, Australian one. But I would love to see those expansion birds come in. Have they added any of the expansions yet to the digital version? Not that I've seen. Mm -hmm. I don't even, and I assume they'd be like, buy the expansion, you know. They probably wouldn't hide that from you. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, speaking yeah. of, the other one I want to talk a little bit more is Splendor because I played that through all but one module, which is the one I don't own. I thought it was like, oh, I guess this is coming out soon or something. It's like, I think called the Orient. Yeah. So there's, so, there was an expansion for Splendor physically, which included four different game modules. But I guess in the digital version, each one is you can purchase separately. Is that it how it looks works? like it? Yeah, I think I got a. Bless oh, excuse me. <laughs> You're allergic to Splendor. I got them through a uh, humble bum bundle. Got it. So yeah, and uh, I mean Splendor, everybody knows, I guess. But in fact, we right. talked about it recently. But you know, you're you're buying up 
gem. <laughs> Let's face it, you're you're buying cards with numbers to get cards with bigger numbers. <laughs> the theme is not really as big of a factor in Splendor, I don't think. Um. So yes, in this, and we actually when this expansion came out at Gen Con, I never I demoed one of them, the Stronghold version. But you know, I I just feel like I'm in a different mindset than I'm like, oh, I'm just here to see and just quickly talk like it's not the same thing of like playing it and experiencing it and really diving into it yeah so i feel like i got a bit more of that from this and what i can say is i think probably for the two of us we'd want to if we were to play splendor we'd want to play with at least with these modules i don't know if you can do more than one at once hmm um, I, I don't think the game does. I don't know if, you know, the board you're allowed to. The first one, the cities, I I like because it's, you know how there's the, um, I forget what they're called, the benefactors you can buy, the biggest numbers. The nobles. <laughs> nobles. It sort of, it replaces them in like, here are some end game goals. When someone hits that, then we're done. And it feels just a lot simpler to be like, that's what I'm building for. You know, you mm. don't have five things to look at. You have like three. So I like that one. I feel like it's just, that's there. There's a point value. It's a little bit easier to just build up because someone can't buy nobles underneath you. Because mm. once a city's bought, it ends the game. Got it. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, the stronghold one is definitely for people who liked a lot more, wanted more player interaction that isn't just, I bought the thing before you. I don't like it. Because <laughs> it... <laughs> It really, I don't know, there's something about that it really throws off my focus. Is it very aggressive? Yeah, the way it works is whenever you buy a card, you have three stronghold pieces. And when you buy a, not a tile card, it's a tile. It's a tile, I think. The cards are different. No, they're cards. They are cards. I'm mixing it up. <laughs> it's hard to remember when you're playing digitally. <laughs> yes. You can either place your stronghold onto a card that has no stronghold or remove an enemy stronghold. As long as you have a stronghold there, and you can put like all three years on one card, no one can buy that. It's like reserving. Interesting. Does it take an? Is it your turn to place one? No, it's in in addition to you have to buy something to place one. Okay, it's so, like a bonus. So does this kind of like was reserving not really necessary if you do this? Because um, no, because you might not be able to buy something, but you still want to reserve something. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, but. I don't, it just threw me off so much to think like, oh, I can't get that anymore. Like, all right, I'm going to remove your, your stronghold now so we can finally buy it. Oh, you could already buy it. Like it, I, I, it just threw me off a lot, but I definitely think <laughs> I can see a lot interesting of to me really liking it because they have that ability to, you know, just be much more take that, that. or just even just to. I mean, Splendor's a pretty solitaire game, I think. So some people like to have a more interaction. Right. The final one is probably my favorite. Yes, it's my favorite of the three. It's, I forget what it's called. I think Traders. I should, you know, I'm just going to look it up. T-R-A-D-E-R? <laughs> trading Posts. All right. The Trading Posts gives a separate board that tells you once you have three red or, or or four blue and a white, you know, mixture or whatever it is, you get a power. 
So to me, that adds a lot. It's not you're not just simply ramping up of okay, I can buy things. You're thinking like, oh, maybe I should buy more blue first because that makes it so whenever I do a trade in, I get an extra gem. What kind of? Oh, I see. It's a, what's the like? I was going to ask what's an example of a power, but I they guess had things one. like a gold counted for two of the same. They had one where whenever you took, I think whenever you bought a card, you got an extra gem. Okay. So, in like, there's one that gave more points at the end too. So to me, that had made more like fun midway goals to build towards. Mm. And like, you could sort of try to do an engine, and you could like, oh no, I should rush that first, or I should do this. So that's the one I thought that I enjoyed the most. Also, it sounds like would add more. You know, you can see like, oh, if your opponent has certain combination of gems, you might not know. Are they going for a card or are they trying to get one of those abilities maybe? Right. And in particular, one of the problems I've had with Splendor is poor luck of being like, I'm trying to build something and someone buys it right before you. Right. You know, these powers aren't first first come, first serve. It's un- Each player can unlock it. So it feels a lot better like you can still get something even if you're behind. Okay. Okay. So... That's my opinion on these. Obviously, you need to play them more, and also with some people. But and I'll, I'll need to see what the uh, the Orient actually adds. I believe it adds some more decks of cards and stuff. Hmm. Um, I wonder if I could actually buy. I'll take a look later. But overall, I think the expansion does add a lot more things that if you were someone who wasn't as big on Splendor, you'd be interested in. Whether it's you want the strongholds for more player interaction or trading post to make it a little bit easier to feel like you can build up and stuff. It's one to take a look at. Yeah, I think I am uh, predominantly of the opinion that Splendor is pretty overrated. I think it's like fine. Um, uh, actually, I, I played the uh, board game arena version a few weeks ago, and I wonder how that compares to the digital one. I can't remember... Did we review I assume if I got through a humble bundle, you got it through the humble. Yeah, bundle. no, I know I have it, but I'm trying to remember if we played it or not. Because uh, if we didn't review it, then I probably never played it. But uh, I'm curious. I wonder how those how they compare. I'm sure the digital one has more going on in it. But uh, the board game arena. I mean, I had fun with it. Like, it's a actually, I really like the digital version because you know, like all digital versions of games, it plays a lot faster. I, I have not played the the version you played, but I will say there this is a major problem someone pointed out that taking a chip doesn't give that nice clink noise. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that's that's the thing is I feel like forty. I'm going to be generous here. Forty percent, I think, of the reason Splendor is popular is because of those components and those chips. If those were tokens, no one would care that much about the game. And my, <laughs> I, I honestly think. Uh, not that it's a bad game, but I just think those really give it the bump. Uh, but as like a light game, you know, I still think it can be enjoyable. And I, I would like to try some of these modules out. Uh, we we did get the chance to play one game together, the two of us. We played a game you've already talked about, Block Ness from Blue Orange Games. Uh, and I got to try it out. Very simple game wherein you have different... Um, pieces i don't even know how to describe them they're like u-shaped i guess they're like 3d um miniatures of like almost like a snake-like piece that goes from one peg to another peg and the board is made up of just holes and you will slot this 
one of your pieces into it so that it fits into two different holes uh, some length apart because you have different snake pieces <laughs> of various lengths and heights. <laughs> Why is it so difficult to explain this? Um, and they're, the idea is they're all part of your uh, Loch Ness monster and you're trying to what place all of your pieces uh, while blocking the other player from placing theirs. Hence, Block Ness uh did you get the i can't remember did you play this with more than two i did i played with three before this okay we, i think i'm pretty sure i talked about it on the podcast you did you did i just couldn't remember uh we we did just the two of us so uh there's like a smaller inner board you use so it's a little more competitive and uh very, i think you kind of summed it up it's it's very quick it's very simple it's cute uh we'll probably be reviewing this one in depth uh some point later on in our channel but uh, I think if you if you want some, uh, kind of in the vein of maybe even something like Santorini, but maybe not quite as in-depth as that, simpler than that. But that kind of I mean, I'm thinking of it because we played it two players, but this goes to four. But that kind of like cool 3D components, but it's, it's kind of a simple, more abstract puzzle-ish feeling game that you can play quickly, take down, set up in different ways. So that that's kind of the vibe that I would, I would say that is a fun game for um, and young kids could play it or it can just be a filler game for adults too. kind of big, kind of big for a filler game. Cause you do have to have this whole box to hold the board where you put all these giant 3d pieces. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, but I still think it's the tactileness and still pretty fun in the way it stands out. Plus, you know, it's sort of competitive snake. So I think for a lot of people, it's like, I know how Snake works. So it, it's a bit more relatable, I guess. Yeah, it is. Yeah, like I, I see what you're saying with the Snake comparison, but it it's definitely it's different. Though. I mean, yeah, it is, it is kind of like, but I, just because you're you're not just going, it's not 2D. You're also thinking in height. It's like a, a weirder kind of uh, and also you're thinking of it's almost like portal. <laughs> like you're it's almost like you're teleporting from one section where you your thing starts to the other section where your piece ends i feel like this is just like unintelligible because <laughs> if you don't mm -hmm. if you don't know these pieces i just don't even know how to describe them but uh yeah it's a it's it's a cute little it's a cute little game that's block ness and then i recently did a stream where i played solo marvel champions returned that one to the table and I tried out the new Gamora deck, the new Guardian of the Galaxy. I played against Claw, who is uh, just one of the base villains. And of course, this is the F Fantasy Flight Marvel living card game. Gamora's gimmick is that she likes attack and threat event, sorry, thwart event cards. So event cards basically are your one-time use cards. Uh, so like uh, Miss Marvel. Um, sure. I don't know. Cause I haven't played with she, her. <laughs> she liked the one-time actions. Uh, yeah, she, but, and, uh, so Gamora specifically likes the ones that either do damage or deal threat. Um, and if you play, basically you get the benefit related to the opposite of whatever you played. So if you play an attack event, you also get to do a thwart a little bit. And if you play a thwart event, you also get to deal a damage to an enemy. So this makes her really good for solo play because you get to, uh, you know, usually usually in, a, in this game, you want a couple of heroes because they kind of can specialize. 
in the different things, but she she's more versatile. I think it's um, justice maybe is the aspect that also is kind of versatile. I can't remember. Uh, like the there there are some builds that are usually considered better for solo for that reason, but she kind of has it built into her hero abilities, which is cool. And I had a lot of fun playing. I did very poorly, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I I learned some some harsh lessons, and I wasn't quite able to get anything going, and I lost the game. But it was a lot of fun to play and talk through it and uh, hang out with people on the stream and everything. So I'm looking forward to maybe maybe trying again uh, with Gamora, maybe tweaking her deck, or even just I feel like I messed up. Just I got unlucky card draws of. Or like I probably would have mulliganed had I just known the deck better, because I I just went into it blind, you know. I mean that's I feel like that's, that's just... what we always do. That's what yeah. I always do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the way it's the way it goes for sure, um, and and sometimes it'll click with you and sometimes it doesn't. The one thing I remarked upon I I feel like is that she is more uh, maybe Ms. Marvel was like this too because of those events more about playing one time cards and not as much about building up stuff in your play area and getting stronger that way. So I think that threw me a little bit because I'm sort of was like used to that and was prepared for that. The thing is I I like that because it's sort of like, I like things that stay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. She does have a few of those, of course, but uh, you know, more, she's more about like just hit, 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 hit uh, and go. So, but uh, it was fun and it was actually, it was kind of nice to play against, this earlier villain because i i said in the stream we're so used to from these expansions playing just like they they get more and more complicated (laughs) ever with every expansions like the the new villains have special cards that stay out and different actions you can take and the scheme gives you a choice each round and you could do this or that and now you're in now you're in a different universe there's two different time periods you're playing between it's like very cool stuff but sometimes it's just nice to sit down and be like he has health i need to get him to zero health (laughs) that's all i really need to worry about um and especially for playing with a new a new hero it's kind of nice to experience them that way so that's marvel champions that's the stuff that we've been playing this week now it's just the two of us i don't have any board game games I'm not going to make you um, compete in some kind of trivia challenge against yourself. You don't yourself. have a, a solo game? <laughs> I don't have a solo game. But I I did think maybe... Meeple Gallery! We'd take a trip to the Meeple Gallery and hear from our little meeples out there. Of course, if you want to submit a question, uh, board game-themed topic that you want to hear our thoughts on and or a guest on the show you can email us that address is meeplegallery at gmail.com that'll be in the show notes if you need to reference it we'd love to hear from you please uh but i thought since it's just the two of us this week we would go over to a friend of the show patron hoser 40k who at one point early on sent us like a hundred questions i believe it is Uh, i thought we would do a lightning round i'll just run through a bunch of them and We'll we'll try to answer them because a lot of them are kind of lightning round style questions. How does that sound? All right, let's do it. Okay. Some of these are geared towards more one of us or the other, but I'm just going to throw them out there. So best cat themed game. I think it's got to be Calico at this point, right? Uh, for now, I think uh, the only one that I could th- we haven't played it yet but would be Isle of Cats. That's true. There's that also Cat the- Lady. 
Um, I also, you could probably argue that Calico maybe doesn't even count as a cat themed game. It's more of a blanket themed game <laughs> that has cats in it. <laughs> well, uh, look, there's a big cat on the box. I think if someone sees that, it'd be like, oh, a cat. So we'll go with that for now. Lightning round. How about best dog themed game? Does that exist? I feel like there aren't that many dog well, games. I know there's one I'm very excited about. Yes, Hair of the Dog. I believe. Yes, that's that's uh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Coming from Cherry Picked Games, uh, who we are big fans of later. I mean, the theme makes it makes perfect sense. Your goal is to pet all the dogs. <laughs> yeah, what? I honestly can't think of a dog game. <laughs> I can't think of one. There's the one we played a while back with like the Dog Warriors. I'm blanking on the name. Oh, it was on Kickstarter. Yeah, Hounds, mm -hmm. the Hounds, Knights of the Hound Table. Something like that. Yeah. I, I can't think of any that are like from big, big companies. So I don't know. I There's it. the one where you have to clean up the dog poop. Mm, yeah. We <laughs> that was like one of those toy ones, you know, you only found in like a Toys R Us and Target for like five bucks. I guess that's the best one by default. Um, best rabbit themed game. <laughs> Again, I don't think. Oh, you know what? Dix, no. Dix it. You have little yeah. rabbit pieces. No, I was, there's the one that with the, the king of the ears that remember from yellow. Oh, what, what what is that called? <laughs> oh, uh, Bunny am... Kingdom. Yes, Bunny Kingdom. I guess that's it. I'm gonna go Dixit. I, I think it counts. It's more clever. <laughs> um, if you had to play a Flux card game, which one would you begrudgingly play? Sounds like Hoser's got a vendetta against the Flux series. I honestly don't mind Flux too much. I think it's really silly, and I just love the chaos that ensues. Flux is definitely uh, I, uh, it the was, only thing I would be like is just put like a a ten minute timer or something. If the game goes beyond that, then it just ends. <laughs> that, that was one of those games that was early on that we had a lot of fun with. But I think like Munchkin, as you not always, but for us at least, as you get deeper into the hobby. Uh, look, I'm not saying it's the first thing I pick, but I'm also I don't know. I just sort of like it. It almost is one of those games where I'm less about seeing the endpoint, just seeing the chaos that happens. Right. So I, I sort of like it a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. I, I think, had to choose one. Yeah. Um, huh, honestly, I would want to maybe do a weird mix, but <laughs> I, what I'm trying, there's just everything's out there. So I can't think of lightning like, round. <laughs> I'll go with, uh, you know, let's go classic. Now the, the new, there's a new version of we're used to 4.0, but you know, there's flux 5.0 now. Oh, that's true. And the new Flux doesn't have creepers in it. You got to buy Zombie Flux or some of the other ones if you want to add creepers back in. So I'll say Zombie Flux. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, excluding living and collectible card games, do you sleeve your board game cards? Yes. Some of them. What? Deck building games. What determines if you're going to sleeve a game or not? How much you, sh how often you shuffle? Yeah. <laughs> and how often we played the game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was going to like, for example, Aeon's End, I'm not planning to sleeve because you almost never shuffle. You flip your deck. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, look at Legendary or the DC deck building game. Those shuffle all the time, even in setup. And we play those a lot. So that will get probably get sleeved. Yeah. That said, it's also that fun thing of like, we both, the, those two, which I know are sleeved, we both chose games that are, aren't just one time. They keep growing and right. growing. <laughs> and we're like, oh, that's more sleeves. Not only that, they're both old enough that you can sometimes 
spot an old card out of a new one because Ultra Pro changed their design. Right. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's part of it for me is are there going to be like a bunch of expansions and add-ons that I'm going to care about these cards being in good condition? Whereas if it's just like a one-off, then I'm like, worst case scenario, if I ever, if these cards really get damaged, I'll buy one more, I'll buy a new copy. Versus <laughs> I'm not going to buy all 18 expansions again. I, I would like those to be, you know, consistent. Um, but yeah, usually, very rarely do I actually sleeve games that aren't, the only games that I consistently sleeve are Marvel Champions and Legendary. You know, for me, it's Match the Gathering, the DC deck building game. And, uh, oh, I did sleeve, um, though this I think still falls under it, the um, uh, Millennium Blades. But you know what's great about that one? What's that? It, it's done. <laughs> All right. But you know, another thing for us, too, is that we have so many games we don't play the same games that often with with some ex with a few exceptions so oh. i think for a lot of people it's more important to sleeve a game because even if you're only shuffling it once per play if you're playing it all the time that's important whereas a lot of games it's like for the um, for the frequency we play it at it would take years and years and years for the wear and tear to really bother me in this yes I do want to point out, by the way, this only goes for things when sleeping is optional. We're not counting things like, uh, like <laughs> well, uh, obviously we're not counting Mystic Veil. Yeah, <laughs> it comes with sleeves. Um, I did think of one other one though, actually, that's a very big one that I almost forgot, which is social deduction games. I have mm. sleeved like Love Letter, The Resistance, Coup, anything where it's and Battlestar Galactica, anything where it's very important that. If you can tell from the back of a card what it is that could ruin the game, I got to sleeve those because. Now, you see what you just said there, some would argue that for, I guess, all like the DC deck building game or something might be like, I can tell the card slightly better. I know that's the superpower. So I'm going to name superpower. And yeah, discard, you know, but, like... it's, but it's different from uh, it's different from. Uh, to me, I mean, that's not the thing is, if someone sees, oh, that card is on top or whatever that sure maybe that could give them an advantage but if if you can tell oh that person is the traitor that could literally ruin the entire game i mean the game is the whole session is done <laughs> at that point so i think it's i think it's a much more significant impact no agree disagree no no yeah no i see sorry yeah i see processing uh, no i was nodding i was like i forgot this is a podcast not a video yeah yeah that's that's an important thing to recall uh but anyway so that that's uh that's our well, answer to that. hold on yeah. i've got a bonus addition question to that for you jonathan oh sure hypothetically speaking do, do, would you choose your sleeves differently depending on the kind of game or the size of the game like for me, obviously, I chose Ultra Pro for the DC deck building game because it's very big and it keeps expanding. So that's easy to keep red sleeves for. But for my magic decks, for example, you know, I'm like, well, this is my, you know, my dragon theme deck. So I'm going to find some cool dragon sleeve art. Mm. So I'm wondering, like, would you ever do that? Would you ever, like, look for specific sleeves for a game? No. In terms of, like, <laughs> look, not, like, fit. No, not an... I, not of like, I don't think like that really. I mean, if there were cool, like, oh, specific 
you know, sleeves made just for this game with the cool art in the back, maybe I would consider it. But usually they're like, to me, it's not worth the cost. I'd rather pay cheaper price for sleeves that are generic. Well, what's also funny, I know, because I happened to you with Legendary, it was like, it came up after you already bought like half of the blue sleeve. Like they didn't release them at the same time. So you're like, right. But if I, I'm already, <laughs> if I sleeved all my Legendary cards with official Legendary sleeves, it's like right. probably another four hundred dollars. <laughs> you know, they're so also, expensive. Not, not even that. Sometimes you you know they're harder to find because it's not just yes. blue. Oh, that's that's like the biggest factor for sure. Is I mean the debacle. I think a lot of people went through when Fantasy Flight stopped making sleeves. Of if you had half a collection of Fantasy Flight sleeves, I, I went through a minor version of this because um, when I did finish sleeving Battlestar Galactica recently, I got a new expansion that's now out of print and old. Um, I had sleeved the original ones with Fantasy Flight mini cards, which you can't get anymore. So I actually had to buy a whole new set of different mini sleeves and redo all of them so that they would match because I couldn't get the same style. So yeah, that's a that's an issue. That's something you got you got to figure out. Um, you know what? I also sleeve my drop mix cards. Mm. I, I, you do. Sh I think partially because those. Well, now they're out of print, so they're rare. But also because. Um, there is a bit of shuffling in that game and those cards are dependent on like the technology in them. So I want to keep them pretty in pretty good shape as well. Uh, and uh, here, let's do, let's do one more lightning round question. This one's just for you. Uh, do you find that the yellow Seraphimon deck is adequately balanced between recovery and trickiness? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Lightning round. If you are talking about the starter deck, I think it could use some more trickiness. It could obviously any any starter deck needs buffing. If you're talking about a meta style deck, can't really talk much about that because I really can't get a lot of those cards. <laughs> well, so your lightning round is the starter deck is all right. It's a bit too focused and could use upgrades. In terms of competitive decks, there are better places out there because I can't get cards yet. Bandai, please. I will gladly show off things and be so happy to talk about everything. Just send me product. Uh, we are, of course, not referring to the Digimon card game. That's the game in question. Hoser says, actually has no clue about Digimon. This question came about from the most recent Wasi Plays video that he posted. That is another channel that uh, mostly Digimon, but he also does Marvel Champion stuff, too, and talk about the Transformers deck building game. So... There Pretty lots of plays a lot of the games I like. <laughs> Something to check out. Uh, th that'll do it for this uh, lightning round of hoser questions. Uh, again, send us your questions. We'll answer them in the future. Probably not as many at a time. Uh, email us meeplegallery at gmail.com. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the show. Go and check out all the things that we mentioned. Um, go and I, I will plug that um, video that Portal published. It's called Why Publishers Bail Off Gen Con 2021. If and, you, yeah. and on that note, I would love to hear from all of you. Would you still attend Gen Con or think of about attending Gen Con if you haven't been yet? If there wasn't really all the major companies there selling their newest, hottest games. Yeah. What is the draw? What is the draw for you? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, we will see. We'll see how it goes. The future is uncertain, but one thing is certain is that this podcast is over. If you want more Roll for Crit, if this wasn't enough for you, I have good news. <gasps> because if you go to RollForCrit.com, you will find links to our YouTube content, 
uh, our live streaming content. Uh, of course, more places you can find our podcast if you aren't happy with where you have it already. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, social media, all that stuff. We also have a Patreon page, roll for, sorry, patreon.com slash rollforcrypt. If you sign up for it, $5 a month, you get a bonus podcast episode every single week where we talk about more board game discussion and other media, maybe even Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which, by the way, <laughs> just that's what you chose to watch. Of all the things I, I try to get you to watch, you watch that for two and a half hours. Well, we don't need to get into it now. Um, listen to that. <laughs> listen to that if you want to hear that discussion. Uh, or you can just rate and review this podcast on iTunes. That also helps. And just the fact that you're listening to this and subscribing is very nice of you. So we appreciate that. Yes, thank you so much for joining us here. And of course, we'd love to always hear comments whether it's here on our videos. And we'll, of course, try to bring them up in our Meeple Gallery or maybe elsewhere. But until then, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Will. I'm Jonathan. This has been Roll for Crit. Thanks for joining us. Bye. <laughs>